Aloha, and welcome to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe. Hope Chapel exists to grow ordinary people into faithful, productive followers of Jesus Christ, equipping them through Bible teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, and prayer. Today's message is for married folks. It's entitled, How to Keep the Sizzle in Your Sex Life. And now, here's Pastor Ralph. Proverbs chapter 5. It starts out by talking about not getting involved with other people before it starts talking about how to have a good sex life inside of a marriage. And as you look at the book of Proverbs, you ought to read this. You know, a lot of times I think uh, I end up preaching in the New Testament. We don't see a lot of Proverbs. We don't touch a lot of Psalms. If you're learning how to worship the Lord and praise Him, read Psalms. If you want to learn how to live life, I read Proverbs. Look at the first couple verses here. Chapter 5, it says, My son, pay attention to my wisdom. Listen carefully to my wise counsel. Loosely translated, that says, listen up here. He says, Then you will learn to be discreet, and you'll store up knowledge. This book of Proverbs is filled with wisdom, discretion, and knowledge. It'll, it'll teach you things like don't co-sign loans for people. If you ever knew people that co-sign loans, they'll tell you why not. Because it always blows up in your face. It'll tell you how to get along with your in-laws. It'll tell you how to raise children. It'll tell you how to manage your finances so that at the end of your life, uh, you've gotten ahead. And, it, and that God's blessing is evident inside of your life. It's going to tell you a lot of things. Tonight it's going to talk a little bit about our sex lives. But as I stand here to talk to you, I, um, I, I spent some time yesterday with a person who had destroyed their marriage. And um, good guy, loves the Lord, stopped paying attention at home. Very much like what you just saw here depicted. Just stopped paying attention. Began to get to where he took his wife for granted, began to get critical of all the little things that were wrong in her life, and she was doing the same to him. And then one day, he was in a situation at work, and temptation just presented itself. And it was just a slow little infatuation at first, and then it developed, and then it grew, and then it got into something that really put the poison in his marriage. The person was fortunate enough that his wife didn't leave him. And today they're rebuilding their marriage several years later, maybe four years later. And there's still struggles. They go to another church. He told me, there's, there's, it's very hard for me to do any kind of ministry at church because if I'm just talking with another woman, my wife is understandably fearful. Understandably fearful. He sent his wife into depression that lasted for a couple of years. He drove his children away from the Lord by his behavior. He ended up severing his relationships with lots of his friends um, just because of the confusion that was caused by this whole thing. And because he was so wounded, he ended up costing himself a ton of money in terms of his business and the, and the success of his business because he was so wounded because he had wounded his wife. And this is a fortunate man 
who's still together with his wife today and on the road to recovery and on the road to restoration. And they do have something beautiful going for them. So many times, it works out differently. But I believe that it all gets started in what you just saw in this drama. People who just stop having time to be interested in each other. People who've let materialism get in the way, the, the rat race, you know, get, the, get them going to the place where they just don't have priorities. Read the book of Proverbs. It'll help you establish priorities in your life. It'll put your life together. So part of my message tonight is read the book of Proverbs, you know. There's 31 chapters in Proverbs. fits nicely with a month. You can read a chapter a day plus whatever else you're reading in the Bible. I used to do that year in and year out, and, and it built my life. But we're looking through here, and the first part of my notes say pay attention to wisdom, and basically I just told you that. Pay attention to Proverbs because it can keep you from falling into a pit. The second part says avoid immorality. It starts out by saying the lips of an immoral woman are as sweet as honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Now, this is written to a man. Probably because it's most often the men who stray in the relationship. But we've certainly seen our share of women who strayed in the relationship. So don't let it blow you off that it's written to a man. If you're a woman, uh, read it. The lips of an immoral man are you know, sweeter than honey, smoother than oil. And what's that mean? Just that temptation... The grass is always greener on the other side of the fence. It just has a way of looking better than it really is when you're looking from the outside in. It goes on and says, But the result, verse 4, is as bitter as poison, as sharp as a double-edged sword. It means it will ruin your life. Her feet, the immoral woman or the immoral man, their feet go down to death. Their steps lead straight to the grave. For she does not care about the path to life, which is the path to the Lord. You know, and nobody that's a believer is going to get themselves in trouble with immorality if they really care about the path that leads to the Lord. You know, the Bible says that the path that leads to destruction is broad, and there's lots of people walking down it. The path that leads to life is narrow, and few there be that find it. And, and, and so, if you care about the Lord, if you want to walk after the Lord, if you're willing to walk in the Spirit and the power of the Lord... God's grace is going to do something in your life. You know, we talked about this last week just a little bit. Without the Holy Spirit in our lives to lead us, to guide us, and to empower us to make the right choices, all this Proverbs deal becomes is just a bunch of rules. But if the Spirit of the Lord is inside of you, then He's going to take the words that we're going to read tonight and He's going to turn them into convictions and He's going to turn them into character and He's going to make you want to save yourself for the person that you're married to. You may be a single person. You may be a married person. God wants you to save yourself for your partner. His Holy Spirit will give you the grace to do that if you're willing to walk the path that leads to life. It says, this woman staggers down a crooked trail and doesn't even realize where it, where it leads. The next part of the notes I called, Don't Risk Ruin. It says, So now, my sons, listen to me. Never stray from what I'm about to say. And there's several points here I want to make. I, I wrote a little A in my Bible over verse 8. It says, and I underlined the word, run. It says, run from her. When temptation comes your way, and it comes knocking on your door, run from it. Run from it. 
The Bible talks in the book of James about temptation coming and, 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 and we're drawn to it from the lusts that are inside of us. And at first we see it and we're enticed by it. And then we take another look. And then we move a little closer. And pretty soon we find ourselves moving down a pathway to destruction. When temptation comes your way, you go the other way. It's the only way to do it. You can't stand there and say that you're going to stand up to it. You can't stand there and say it's going to strengthen you because all it's going to do is tear you down. The Bible says, run the other way. Then it says this. I wrote a B here. Don't go near the door of her house. If there's something out there that tempts you, then don't go there. Go someplace else. I'll tell you one thing never to do. Never go to a person and say, oh, I just want you to know that I feel real tempted by you and I I just want to say that as a warning. (laughs) That doesn't work. That gets you in trouble. It goes on and says, verse 9, if you do these wrong things, I put a C here, you will lose your honor and hand over to merciless people everything that you have achieved in your life. Here's what happens when people follow the path to adultery, especially married people. You lose a bunch of your friends because all your friends are forced to take sides. So just count on it. You just lost half your friends. Maybe three-quarters or 90% of them if you fooled around on your wife or you fooled around on your husband. Your friends that have been your friends together are not going to be your friends anymore. You've lost your honor. If you have children, now you've lost huge amounts of time with your children. Now you're going to have to share your children with a spouse who's angry at you for the rest of your life and their new partner, whoever they get, who sit around and make little schemes to make your life difficult. Because this is the story of divorce. And now what you're going to do is you're going to have your children growing up confused and not sure if it was your fault, either parent. That's the sad thing. One parent can run out on another and go commit adultery, and the children will go back and forth blaming parents. They won't know which one to blame. And and sometimes they'll blame themselves, and they're going to be in confusion, and they will dishonor you. What's it say here? It says, you'll lose your honor and hand over to merciless people everything that you've achieved in your life. Hand over to merciless people, your children. All these fights that we're always talking to people about in the church over visitation rights and and all the stuff that goes on. All the the parents who are mad at each other who use the children as as tools of anger against one another. Immorality is a very, very, very dangerous thing. It goes on and says, in verse 10, I put D here, strangers will obtain your wealth and someone else will enjoy the fruit of your labor. If you own a house... Half the house is gone. You own investments, half the investments are gone, at least. And many, many times, a divorce simply constrains a single mom to a life of poverty or near poverty. That means it constrains your children to that. There's a huge loss of money that's involved in immorality, and it is unavoidable. Am I making sense? Verse 11, I put an E here. It says, Afterwards, you will groan in anguish when disease consumes your body. That's talking about somebody who gets a sexually transmitted disease. And you'll say, How I hated discipline. The word discipline means instruction. 
It means how I didn't want to hear what Pastor Ralph had to say that night. How I didn't want to read what the book of Proverbs has to say. I warn you, if you read the book of Proverbs and you're fooling around, it'll get you. Because it says it several times in here, these kind of things. He says, if only I had not demanded my own way. See, it's not about you. Life is not about you. Life is about pleasing God. You know, we, we talked about the core five things at the beginning of this year, five purposes that God has for your life. One is that you worship Him, that you surrender your life to Him in worship. Two is that you fellowship with some brothers and sisters, accountability in your life. Three is discipleship. I learned to love my partner like Jesus. I think this is a discipleship message tonight. Four is that you find an outlet for your energies in ministry. And five is evangelism. A guy came up to me this week and he said, you know, thank you for teaching that core five thing because I realize that they build one on top of the other to the other to the other. And God's ultimate goal in my life, in your life, in everybody's life, is that we're bringing other people to know the Lord. So living a godly life in terms of your sex life, having a happy home, becomes a tool in God's hands to bring other people to the Lord so that other people can know the grace of God in their life. You know, as, as we're talking, I, I don't know all of you that well. I know a whole bunch of you grew up in a household where your parents were divorced. A whole bunch of you grew up in a household where immorality touched your household. And all of that stress and all of that strain and all of that pain was involved there. I know that in a group this size, there have to be some people here that if you just you did it yourself and, and this is kind of rubbing sandpaper over the wound, and I apologize to you for that. I also know there's some people that are thinking about it or are fooling around right now. And God wants to set you free. God wants to set you free. He wants to give you a whole life. He wants you to be happy. He wants you to have peace. He wants you to be satisfied. Am I making sense? Listen, good guys. Marriage is a sacrament. It's a mystery. It's a miracle. The Bible says that God makes two people into one. And when we're willing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit... That truly happens. That truly happens. Something wondrous. Something miraculous. It's not just a social contract. It's not just that I signed a certificate. It's just something of the grace of God is upon my life in a partnership with this other person. And there's something valid. There's something valuable. There's something holy about that. God wants us to honor it. Are you there? Everybody is so serious tonight. Verse 13, you'll say, Oh, why didn't I listen to my teachers? Why didn't I listen to Pastor Ralph? Why didn't I pay attention to those who gave me instruction? I've come to the brink of utter ruin, and now I must face public disgrace. Now it starts to talk about stick with your spouse, the next couple of verses. It says, drink water from your own well. You can figure out what that means. Share your love only with your wife, only with your husband. Make the choice. Make the choice. Make it, make it early on, and make it. Be a person of your word. You know, anybody that gets married makes this big promise to, 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 to be with this person always. Well, then do it. And honor it. Honor other people's choices. Don't be fiddling around with somebody else's marriage. Make the choice. It starts out there, you guys. There's, there's no magic about this. It's that I stand before God and I say, I'm going to be a person of honor. I'm going to be a person of character. I'm going to be a person of my word. I'm going to be a person who counts for something. 
We live in a society, we talked about this last week, where nothing is sacred. People make promises and blow them off all the time. Choose the oneness that God wants to build into your life. Drink water from your own well. Share love only with your wife. Why should you spill the water of your springs in public having sex with just anyone? Now, that is a very graphic verse, and what you think it says is what it really says. Why spill the water of your springs in public having sex with just anyone? It says, you should reserve it for yourselves. Over the top of the word yourselves, I wrote oneness. God wants to make one of two people. Save sex for the oneness, the unity that is now you once you've been married to somebody. It says, don't share it with strangers. And I think you could add right there, and I wrote a little note in my Bible where it says, don't share it with strangers. I just wrote the words, including pornography. Including pornography. One of the miracles around this church is we've got a bunch of guys that are, that are coming to one another as accountability partners and saying, I'm in a struggle, I'm doing this thing, and, and I need out. And I need to be able to call you up, my brother, and, and just tell you. We've got guys in little groups you know, reading the Bible together and talking, praying with each other, praying for each other, being able to phone each other up and say, hey, I'm, I'm going through this battle here. You know, the Internet is just a little too available, whatever. Don't share it with strangers. It doesn't belong to anybody but your partner. Verse 18 says, Let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Now, literally what that says in Hebrew is, let your fountain be blessed. Now, I think this is saying to, to men and women, let your sex life be blessed. God made it. He created it. He designed it. Let Him bless it. Let Him bless it. Operate it inside the boundaries and let Him bless it. So it says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing to you or let your fountain be blessed. Let your sex life be blessed. Then it says, rejoice in the wife of your youth. Now, to a wife, it would be saying rejoice in the husband of your youth. Well, what's that all about? Well, my wife and I don't exactly look as good as we used to. We both gained a few pounds, you know? I've lost a little hair. Hers has turned a little gray. We don't look like we did before. Sometimes I just like looking at pictures of her when she was young. The pictures of us when she was, we were young. Sometimes I like to just sit around and Look at pictures down through the years of our family as we grew together, when our children were babies to, as they grew up. There's that thing of reminiscing. Now, talk, let's talk about adding sizzle to your sex life. Learn to reminisce over all that God has given you, and it'll affect what goes on inside the bedroom. Learn to spend time just being together, just sitting around, because if you just sit around long enough, you're going to think about the good old day here we did this and the good time we did that and, and this and that and the other thing. And, 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 and you realize the richness of what God has given to you. And it begins to, to bless you and it makes you feel full, feel satisfied, feel happy, feel God's grace in your life. Am I getting close here? Is this good? Well, it goes on and, and it says, uh, she is a loving doe, a graceful deer. If you want to read about poetic stuff like that, go over here after Proverbs and read the Song of Solomon. You know, you want to you read the X-rated part of the Bible? It's, what is it? Is it right after Ecclesiastes? And then comes Song of Solomon? Song of Songs, it says in this Bible. 
gets in there. But don't read it now. It says, Let her be a loving doe, a graceful deer. Let her breasts satisfy you always. The Bible is very graphic. It's very graphic. I want to point out that people who are not satisfied with their partner are usually not satisfied because they're not trying to satisfy their partner. That every book on sex that you'll ever read says if you become a giver in the bedroom, then you'll receive. But if you become a taker in the bedroom, it's going to be a very shallow experience for you. Does that make sense? So when it says, let her breasts satisfy you always, then it would be saying to a man, satisfy her. Don't take from her, give to her. And you're adding sizzle to your sex life. It's very quiet in here. Do, do we not understand the words that we're using up here, or what's the deal? Huh? huh? Yeah. Is it, is it wrong to talk about this stuff in church? I mean, it's in the Bible, right? God wants us to know about it, right? Hope you're taking notes. It says, May you always be captivated by her love. The word captivated means drunk. Drunk on her love. The word always, let me tell you what the word always means here. You might want to write this down very deep. It means all the time. In other words, in other words, those kisses goodbye, they ought to be hot ones. You know when you're doing stuff in the kitchen? There ought to be patting and touching going on. Driving in the car, you ought to be holding hands and doing stuff like that. If you have little kids, there ought to be embarrassing moments in your house. It says always... Be captivated by your spouse's love. What, what does that mean? That means that sex is not some five-minute deal that happens late at night. <laughs> you know, from where I sit, I, I can see everybody's face. It's pretty good. That it's supposed to be a part and parcel of your whole marriage. You want to put the sizzle back in your sex life, I'll do it all day long. I mean, stay in touch with each other. It's the exact opposite of what you saw in the skit that we watch here tonight. Is this good stuff? It's good stuff. Now, I, I just want to say, you know, we don't know what we're doing here this weekend. We, um, Carl's sitting back here, and he's the youth guy. And, and he's got to teach on high, the high school kids this thing on Saturday night, on Sunday night. So uh, we, we talked and we tried to figure out what we're going to do here. I, I think he's going to teach the first part and not teach the second part. Because you don't want to teach 15-year-old kids how to have good sex. Um, if, you're, if you're a married person, everything that I ever had to say here tonight has a real direct application in your life. If you're not a married person, and you really need to know that God wants you to reserve yourself physically for the person you're going to be married to. The scripture says that over and over. The New Testament actually uses two words, fornication and adultery. Adultery is when somebody that's married has sex with somebody they're not married to. 
fornication is when two people that are not married have sex together. God really wants us to save it for the marriage bit and to bless it. He really does. And so, that's just something for you to think about. That's something for you to think about. If we will walk in the Spirit, we'll walk in obedience to what we know of the Word. We'll walk in obedience to that little still voice inside that's applying the Word to our life. Because that's really the Holy Spirit. I mean, everything I said here tonight, um, it, it, none of what we read in the Bible said anything about God. Did you notice that? I talked about God, but in this part in Proverbs, he's just saying this is just wisdom. But as the Holy Spirit takes it and applies it to your life, if you'll let Him apply it to your life, if you'll let Him change you, then He'll change you for your good, and He'll bless you, and He'll honor you, and your life will work, your life will pay off. You've been listening to The Word of Hope with Ralph Moore, pastor of Hope Chapel Kaneohe.